A nudnik, a real bum. The bad clowns freak him out. This is the... Theme song of the podcast of the movie of the uncle of the nephew who's a dreamer and he cannot keep a job. We watch the... Movie by the minute and we talk about what's in it but we want it to be different so we added two more seconds. It's UHF 62. Uh, 60 second. UHF 60 second. I know. Welcome back to UHF 62nd, where we talk about the movie UHF. That's right, 62 seconds at a time. My name is Jonathan Carlyle. And my co-host is... <laughs> That's it, I just, just like Jonathan the... Carlyle, no one else. I just have to take a pause and, and uh, um, prepare myself for releasing my name into the... My name is David Johnson. <laughs> All right. And we also have with us today... It's Sean. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. Mr. German. And thank you for having me back. That's great. Everybody's back here for minute 18. I'm just going to do the, the summary right away. Uh, they are sitting at desks. And then at the end of the minute, they are not sitting at desks, but somebody else is sitting at desks. Yeah, there is a lot of desk sitting in this minute. I, that's a good observation that I had not made. But they're two different desks. Different desks, yes. It's not the not the same desk. Unless they really dress them up and I just never even noticed before. Just for like it from um, a different angle. Well, I mean, we do see the, the desk in the first part of the minute are just cluttered with paper. So we don't really know what they look like. Mm-hmm. Given the budget of this movie, it's entirely possible that that is actually the same desk. <laughs> <laughs> Although there's no lattice work at the end of the minute. Yeah, there is yeah, the amount of lattice work goes way down as the minute progresses. I think the the amount of lattice you have is proportional to your number on the dial. So as your number gets smaller, less lattice. So 62, lots of lattice work, 8, very little lattice work. Oh, oh, I see. I see on the the TV yeah. dial. Yeah, there could even be like 62 pieces of wood interwoven <laughs> to make that lattice possibly. There you go. Crack the code. Crack the code. Crack the code. Crack the code. Crack, 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 crack the code. So at the beginning of this minute, we get, we well, we hear Pam, but also I wanted to point out that we get Bob saying, you okay in there, Pam? And that's actually the first time that we hear her name. Now, isn't that weird that your new boss comes in, introduces himself, introduces his friend, you've just yelled at them, and... We don't learn her name. We learn her name through somebody else later. No, that's not uh, weird. Don't doesn't. Well, that would be weird. But uh, oh, you're saying we learn her just Pam? Okay, I'm tracking with you now. I but the full reveal, the if you, if it's really a reveal, but we learn her full name from her 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 herself herself sure later later yeah, on later i just mean like you know you, your new boss comes in and introduces you you learn their names now i'm i'm diving into the character so mm-hmm. she learns their names and she doesn't respond back except just to lambaste them with her life problems of the last two years right you think at some <laughs> point like so how do they learn her name like usually you meet someone and there's no one else there to introduce her to say oh this is pam so she would have to say hi george and bob i'm Pam. See, I, I imagine that she took them on a, a quick little tour of the place, and I bet they were whispering amongst themselves, like, did you catch your name? No, I didn't catch your name. Did you catch your name? No, I didn't catch your name. Did you catch your name? No, I didn't catch your name. Did you catch your name? No, I didn't catch your name. Did you catch your name? No, I didn't. So they had to, like, 
wait until she went into a different room with another employee and they're like, hey, Pam. Like, oh, great, Pam. Pam, yes, that's right. Hey, Pam. What are the chances that it was just a lucky guess? (laughs) They were just shouting out names until she answered. (laughs) See, that makes me want She's just sitting in the other room just like, oh, just waiting for them to say the right name. Yeah. Hmm. This makes me want this scene to be like three months later. And wow. that's how long it took them to figure out her name. <laughs> that they, yeah, they're not actually they're not looking at scheduling or advertising rates or any of that stuff. All these papers on this desk, they're looking through personnel files trying to figure out this woman's name because they're too embarrassed to admit that they've been working here for three months and they still don't know it. Man, yeah, in that line reading of "You okay in there, Pam?" in my head now, when I watch this movie, there's going to be like a pause of like a "You okay in there." And then he like glances at uh, Bob really quick. <laughs> Pam, <laughs> just just off size. camera, there's like a chalkboard with like a list of women's <laughs> names all crossed out, and he's like, Carrie, Are "You okay Sarah, in there?" Yeah. Checking the next name on the list. Pam. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you, this movie just keeps getting better and better. Well, this minute in the commentary is when we learn that between the original draft and the final draft, her last name was originally, which we also haven't learned her last name yet in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, the original draft, her last name was going to be Taylor, and then they changed it to Finkelstein. Just going on to other characters that we have met before, Terry was originally Terry Moore, and then they changed it to Terry Campbell, which I don't think they used in the movie oh, at all. And then, man. Uh, I, uh... And then Bob... What's that? Uh, Sharp-eared listeners uh, may recall last episode (laughs) when I said that I was playing a game called uh, Make Your Notes Way, Way, Way Far in Advance and Don't Remember What Any of Them Are. I had uh, Terry Moore written sideways with a huge asterisk next to it, and I couldn't for the life of me figure out what that was in reference to. All I was thinking about was the the comic book Strangers in Paradise. So, uh, yeah. Anyway, carry on. (laughs) Um. Yeah, so I think it's funny that they changed her name and didn't even use it. Uh, he did even m- mention that Bob Steckler, uh, Steckler is Bob's last name. He mentioned that in the commentary during this section, but it didn't change. And I still don't think they use his last name. So I'm not really sure why he mentioned his, his name in this point. But uh, but I did want to talk about Bob for a second. Now, we know from previous minutes that Bob has kind of went with George on this journey of job-to-job thing, or at least partially, or whatever. But they mm-hmm. definitely got fired from their last job together. First of all, I'm wondering, is Bob part of the package that made it okay for Uncle Harvey to let George be the manager here? Well, he knows Bob. Bob is responsible. If you take Bob with you, then sure, go for it. And my second thing is, Bob's just an awesome friend, right? I mean, he's just diving in. He must have some some like formal paperwork experience like accounting (laughs) or something is bob getting paid for this yeah i guess that's a third question or is he just yeah i got nothing else to do i'll help my friend out with his tv station as one does well george owes bob five dollars five bucks he's uh, is it five dollars is that the amount yeah yes yeah well it used to be it's probably more now (laughs) interest yeah (laughs) the vig is running yeah you know, um, so maybe Bob or, uh, um, yeah, maybe Bob came along with George in the hopes that, uh, you know, if there is any money to be had, he can get his $5 back. But I think, um, Sean, you may not be aware of this, uh, but that we actually discovered earlier on that, um, contrary to popular belief, 
uh, Uncle Harvey is actually Terry's uncle, uh, not George's uncle. And so... Um, Discovered is a think looser that... term, but <laughs> I'll go with it. Oh. It's a theory I'm, I'm working on. Uh, so the, the, the whole idea of, uh, you know, when Esther says, I know the perfect person to run the station, and she nods at George. So Esther is just super happy that Terry's got a boyfriend, and she wants um, Terry to be happy because it's her favorite niece. And so, you know, that's why uh, Uncle Harvey is so aghast when he looks over and sees George because he's like, man, I hate this guy. He's dating my niece. And, you know, that's why he's like, no, not him. No way. Uh, so I think that probably Terry, you know, pulled Bob aside and said, look, you got to um, my uncle is giving this thing to to George. I don't really think it's the best idea. You know, I don't want to you know, I don't want things to get sideways between my boyfriend and my my aunt and uncle that I'm very close with. So can you please go with George to the station and try and help him out? Because he's going to be underwater. Okay. So would that mean that Harvey is like three degrees of separation separated from George? Because like I would think that it would be Esther is Terry's aunt by blood. And then Esther married yeah. Harvey. So it's like, yes. so from Harvey, it's his wife's niece's boyfriend. Correct. Which is why he's just like, like why am I? Why is this a thing that's even in my life right now? Yeah, he's totally. Yeah, yeah. I, see, I always assumed that that George was Esther's nephew, but we can go the the long way round. That works as well. <laughs> I mean, I think it we all agree. Like, there's, there's, like George and Harvey are not blood related. Like, it definitely yeah, goes no through Esther. No matter how you work it. Right. Work it. Right. Work it. Right. Work it. Right. Like, there's, yeah, the, there's no genes mixing there. They're just two different people. I would, I would agree with that. <laughs> okay, sure. What's that, Jonathan? You just agreed that uh, Terry is Esther's uh, aunt? Nope. <laughs> Terry, Terry is Esther's aunt. <laughs> I don't know what's going on anymore. <laughs> Uh, I, no, I, 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 of all of this stuff, I think I agree that Uncle Harvey is not the blood uncle to George. I, I wish if, if uh, Harvey and Esther were actually George's aunt and uncle, I think I'd like there to be some hint of other familial connection. Like Esther is George's mom's sister. Like having a phone call or something, you know, with George's mom on the <laughs> on the other end or something. <laughs> Yeah. Well, that would make George and Terry related, and that would be really awkward. <laughs> I'm saying if. Oh, oh, oh. Well, though it makes sense because the, the the way like the business kind of the, the way the movie ends, it makes sense if there's more distance between George and Harvey. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. 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 So I I like it. I like it. Uh, speaking of distance between. Um, <laughs> I did notice that David and I have had mentioned before when we saw Pam Pamela sitting at her desk that uh, she is wearing a wide belt, and we we first thought that she was just showing some midriff, um, but it is a wide belt. But now that we see her in this minute standing up, we've realized that she is wearing a wide belt and showing some and midriff, showing some which midriff. I can yeah. only imagine is painful if you're like sitting down and if you like bend over to pick up your pencil off the floor and it like pinches your belly or something like yeah. I don't go for that belt it the well, belt to belly combination does not work well and it's like plastic or pleather like it's not a fabric belt and yeah it looks like we see a little bit of skin above it it doesn't reach up to the top we don't know how how high up 
the skirt goes, but at least part of that belt is just belt on skin. And yet, it does yeah. not look comfortable. Yeah, Very now that you say that, there are no belt loops that the belt is going through. That belt is not a functioning belt, and I'm upset <laughs> about it. It's not holding up anything. It's just kind of decorative, I guess. Maybe she was going to go to work that day without a belt and just all midriff, and her mom was like, you're not going out of this house without a belt. Maybe it was like a, the, the last manager was like, you know, it's not professional to show that much, much midriff, so get this four inch wide belt and then the 80s were born yeah the 80s were born well and that also would explain like why she's in such a bad mood when we first meet her when bob and <laughs> when george and bob come in because she's just like been you know every time she bends over or moves she gets pinched by this belt and it's uh it's not comfortable so yeah i'd be ready to bite someone's head off uh just as well yeah um, so we, we do get this classic bit that I love of everybody's shaking this box around that says fragile and glass breaking and everything <laughs> dying inside. Yeah. The the subtlety that Weird Al is known for. Yes. Yep. <laughs> well, I mean, it's not like they put like the cat meow in there or anything like that. <laughs> not nice. yet, but. <laughs> not yet. <laughs> I'll just say that going back to the, the idea that, that there's something, something's bothering Pam here. Like if the mailman delivers something that's not for you, which I've had happen, I just stick it back in the mailbox, right? Return to sender or wrong address or something. Yeah, I guess if it's a reoccurring thing. I mean, I, I've been in my house that I reside in now for close to six years, and uh, I still am getting mail occasionally for <laughs> the person who had lived here previously, who I learned yeah. about a year ago actually even passed away. So the person's not even living anymore, and I'm... <laughs> Uh, let alone living at this address and I still am getting mail, but it's not because the mail person is delivering it to the wrong address, which it just rendered my story completely um, irrelevant. (laughs) Yeah. Well, so what's going on here? Because it's, it's not, you know, it's not a previous occupant of the same address, which we, you know, which is kind of understandable. And it's not, I've been in like apartment or townhouse situations where something just ends up in the wrong mailbox and it's, for the neighbor kind of thing. We, I don't know exactly the geography, but it seems like they're kind of out of town. And Channel 8 is right in the heart of downtown, like in the city. Did the mailman just say, just see television station and read nothing else on the label? Yeah. Would it say television station, though? Or would <laughs> it just know. say channel? Yeah. Maybe just see channel. How do you confuse an 8 for a 62? Maybe like 6 plus 2 equals 8. There you, I don't know. Like, just how does this happen? Oh, yeah. <laughs> it, it's just some <laughs> super math whiz that, like, just can't see individual Shut numbers. Up. He just sees math all the time. Yeah. So you got Rain Man delivering the mail? <laughs> Rain Man delivering the mail. Right. right. Yeah. Um, it's probably best not to dwell on it too long. So on to Channel 8. Right. Before we get to Channel 8, I was um, wondering if the gang the rival gang in anchorman took their name of channel eight as an homage to this movie and uh i was trying to do some research on that and realized that uh the other guys in the anchorman uh vince vaughn and his gang are actually channel nine not channel eight and during the <laughs> so the one battle yeah one better, yep. They're one uh, but better. during the the big rumble that they have in in anchorman there is channel eight <laughs> is the uh hispanic news with uh um ben stiller channel eight the ocho the ocho and then i went down a, a huge rabbit hole and read all about how they that that whole uh tv station rumble wasn't even in the script that was kind of 
they kind of came up with that on the spot and they filmed that entire rumble sequence with the horses and police officers and guys stumbling through on fire that entire sequence all those actors that was all filmed in one day uh so if anybody wants to read about a bonkers production schedule there's a really great uh article somewhere that you can google about uh how that scene came to be and it was very entertaining and it has nothing to do with this podcast so on to channel eight are you saying that that uh that scene escalated quickly yes it did <laughs> channel eight uh where do we want to start because this thing like just bonks in like right away yeah well yeah it's a good yeah. bit of editing you know with the um George kind of reclining back with that self-satisfied look on his face and then the, just the voiceover of, you idiot. Have you guys ever, ever, ever mistaken a pencil for a number two pencil? Um, Not after Answer writing. <laughs> not after writing. I, I, I don't think I've ever cared enough. Um, though isn't like the, isn't that like the most common pencil number two? Like I would guess if you just had like a box of random pencils and you just stuck your hand in and pulled one out, it's probably going to be number two. Like, you have to, like, I know there are other number pencils out there, but you kind of have to specifically look for them. I I would recommend never sticking your hand in a box of number twos. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. Yeah. But, yeah, but outside of the Scantron forms, the multiple choice tests in school where you have to fill in the little bubbles and they're very adamant that you must use a number two pencil. And, And in those instances, I would make sure I use the appropriate weight of, uh, of lead in my pencil. But other than that, I generally don't spend too much time worrying about it. Just to clear up, you know, for our listeners at home, um, so we don't get hate mail uh, at uhf 62nd at gmail.com um, about lead weight. So it's not, it's not really a, a, a weight. It's a, a hardness softness thing. So yes. there's uh, in pencils, there's an HB scale um, that goes from, um, soft to hard, the softer a lead is, um, the darker, um, the marking is. And so number two is about right in the middle of that HB scale. So <laughs> Does not, the scale go not... from one to three? Um, actually it's not, uh, so the number two is not really part of the scale. It, that's kind of like a weird marketing misnomer thing. So the scale is like F H H be um you know it's it's uh it's more letters on the scale so henry david thoreau's uh father had a pencil manufacturing company and they kind of popularized the number two because it was their second <laughs> um kind of uh, version of the pencil i did Clear not know that, that no, a little bit yep. so you're talking about fathers and sons there huh? speaking yeah, of fathers, speaking of fathers, fathers and, and sons, sons yeah we are introduced to two new characters right off the bat who is a father, father and son, son, as we as we find out, with the very hilarious, but dead. <laughs> uh-huh. And that guy so, is John Paragon, the, the yeah, whiny, whiny son. Uh, sorry, that is his real name. His character name is Richard Fletcher. I want to um, hear you. The only specific note that I have about John Paragon is that our listeners may know him as uh, Jambi the Genie from Pee-wee's Playhouse. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he is. <laughs> oh yeah that connection with peewee that connection with paul rubens uh he was part of the groundlings um that's where that comes from did you actually on peewee's playhouse <laughs> did you also know that he does the voice for terry the pterodactyl yeah i i didn't pick that up until seeing it on, on imdb yeah and there's a terry in this movie crazy 
But he does not do the voice of the Terry in this movie. No, no, he does not. But he also, uh, because of his connection with Groundlings, he also has been featured in some uh, Elvira stuff. Yeah. Um, also, do you guys remember the show Sledgehammer? No. I, oh. I know that was a thing. I don't think I ever watched it, though. I I remember the show, and I remember that I watched it, but I don't specifically remember anything about the show. I just remember that like, it was kind of a tongue-in-cheek, silly, goofy kind of a thing. You know, we could really use more stations playing reruns, so I would know about <laughs> Sledgehammer. <laughs> yeah, there you go. If you had a station that just played old reruns, then you would know about Sledgehammer. It was like a, a detective. He was like our private investigator, right? Sledgehammer? Yes, and I remember he had a gun. That's, yeah. I mean, that's the extent of what I remember. He had a gun. So. Oh, well, and we should say that it was, well, it wasn't Sledgehammer. It was Sledgehammer with an exclamation point. Oh, that's all the difference. Um, the father character is, uh, well, I'll start with his character name. That's R.J. Fletcher, which I assume is some form of Richard J. Fletcher, um, being the father of Richard Fletcher. Um, his real name is Kevin McCarthy. And I just watched Invasion of the Body Snatchers, the 1954 version, last night in preparation. Because I was, I kept Woo-hoo! seeing this as we were preparing for this whole project podcast thing. I just kept seeing that he was in that movie, and I've never watched it. And uh, it was enjoyable. I, I love those old movies, and that one was is a good yeah, one. It's a good, good solid movie. movie. Well, and then he's also in the the seventy eight. Yes, um, which which I uh, again, like we talked about last episode, that not everything is available. Um, it is available, but that seventy eight version is not as available as the fifty four version. So I did not watch that one. Although I do believe he's he's more just like a cameo. Yeah. Uh. Yes. Yeah. He's yes. kind of a fly on the windshield kind of a thing. Well, he plays he plays a human, not a fly. But but Jeff Goldblum is in that '78 version, and that guy played the fly, right? And that guy did is a fly on the windshield. Yes. Yep. So, is there anyone in the television business that is not related to someone else in the television business? So we know, you know, George gets his job as manager through an uncle. And then here we see someone who is working for his father and uh, not doing a very good job of it at that. But there does seem to be quite a bit of nepotism. Yeah, we don't know um, much about the other gentlemen around the desk, but do we think that those are uh, maybe uh, Junior's uh, uncles or cousins? Junior's cousins. So Richard, Richard Fletcher, Jr. Yes. Now you're talking about the two guys sitting next to him. Yeah, on either yeah. side. His, of them, his, yeah. uh, as far as the credits call them his cronies because there's a difference there's uh there's fletcher's oh, cronies oh. but then there's like oh. fletcher's thugs later on actually we see one of them in the background right so they're cronies so maybe they're um like his frat brothers or something yeah i i mean if you're gonna be yes man to to richard fletcher uh, you must be pretty low on the totem pole uh, <laughs> but i do have some notes on them uh Fletcher crony number one, which in this case, uh, number one is on the left as we're looking at them. That's Barry Friedman. He was a uh, a, uh, stand-up comedian in the Tulsa area at the time and maybe forever. I don't know. Fletcher crony number two. (laughs) Wow. I don't know. Some of these people don't have like, you know, up-to-date credits on everything. 
Uh, Fletcher crony number two. Well, you said forever. Like he's just like doomed to uh, perpetually be a stand-up comedian in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Like over several lifetimes, he's constantly being <laughs> yeah. reincarnated as the same stand-up comedian. Is this like a, like a Groundhog Day situation? He's just doing the same set over and over again until <laughs> someone laughs. Oh, that's a long set. Tough crowd. But uh, crony number two. The guy with the mustache on the right, Kevin Roden. Uh, my uh, my notes for him is mustache, because that's all I found. Is he has a mustache? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, his uh, his IMDb listing is um, is very short. It consists of uh, one acting credit uh, for UHF, where he plays Fletcher Crony Number Two. Although he's, I think he's more famous than Barry Friedman is. Um, Not to keep harping on Barry Friedman, but well, the, you know, the thing the, about uh, Barry here is. So he has a few more credits in IMDb, you know, aside from his, his stand-up career. He's got a few few more credits in IMDb, but um, he doesn't get a lot of names. So looking down his list, so in this case, you know, he's Fletcher Crony number one. He's got another part, Oil Man number one, <laughs> uh, First Officer. Uh, he played a corpse. I don't know if he played a corpse or if his name was Corpse, <laughs> but... Uh, <laughs> Corpsey Vanderbilt. Yeah, Corpsey Vanderbilt, Yeah. Um, and then in the 1992, please watch the John Lovett special played himself. Oh, so there you go. <laughs> I wonder who was watching the John Lovett special. <laughs> and then, Hey, look at that. It's Barry Friedman. <laughs> it's Barry Friedman. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, so I wonder if that's, there's, if there's like a, a UHF station somewhere that's rerunning the John Lovett's TV special from 1992. Sounds like we should watch that. Well, it sure would be great if they had a stations, more stations playing old reruns. Well, and here's this guy who has one and is trying to destroy it with new material. Yeah, new material. I know. Um, he must be stopped. I did notice in, in the uh, wider shot of the office at Channel 8, there are two televisions that are not turned on. And so this <laughs> is reminding me of, Jonathan, your comment last episode where uh, Pamela had the TV in the front office that was not on. I'm wondering if this is some kind of weird status symbol in Tulsa or whatever fictitious city this is supposed to be where, you know, uh, if you can have a TV, if you, like, are luxurious and, and rich enough to have uh, a TV that's not turned on, you know, that's really something. <laughs> so, But then we get, um, you know, Channel 8 that has, they can afford two TVs just for that single office and don't turn either of them on. Yeah. And they don't turn either of them on. I was going to say Philo must be That's really how fancy. They are really winning at the social circle, but he has all of his on, I believe. So, <laughs> yeah. um, I do have one other note about uh, Kevin McCarthy, R.J. Fletcher. There, uh, he was also in. This is what I actually know him more from besides UHF was uh, Inner Space, which he's he's practically the same person between UHF and Inner Space. Interesting. I've never seen Inner Space actually. <sighs> I think you've already told me that, and I think I've already went what. Yeah, sorry. Um, I had a, a couple more notes. Uh, I kind of went on a little bit of a deep dive on his uh, IMDb, which is very prodigious, but I'm not going to go into it. I just, mm-hmm. I was like, you know what? They uh, Al mentions in the commentary that at the time of filming, Kevin uh, McCarthy was 74 years of age. And I was like, man, that's that's crazy. I wonder what this guy's first credit is. So... Went all the way to the bottom. 1944. 
uh, Winged Victory, which is a, some kind of a Army Air Corps World War II kind of a, a thing, directed by George Cukor, uh, who went on to direct such things as Philadelphia Story and My Fair Lady. So um, it's pretty crazy, uh, pretty, pretty crazy uh, IMDb. Uh, listings if you take the time to go through all of this guy's stuff he's he did some stuff with some people for sure he he did some stuff for some people yep i stand by that statement <laughs> you're gonna go out on a ledge yeah. you don't care you're crazy <laughs> really the only other thing that i had wanted to say was just that i uh, as we're going through this movie i'm appreciating more and more uh, the economy of storytelling um, that they that they have. You know, we are 18 minutes-ish into the film. Um, we're very close to meeting all the key players. Uh, the the plot is is kind of unfolding and, and getting underway here. And it's really, um, uh, we've already had a couple jokes and asides and, and gags and things. And it's, it's but uh, things are cooking right along. And this is a really... Um, I'm enjoying how the clip that this movie moves at. That's very true. We seem to have, once we started getting introduced to new characters, it seemed like we got a new character like once every one or two minutes. Mm -hmm. And you would think that now we're being introduced to the, the villain character, that that would be it, that that would be the culmination of all the new characters, but not quite. Yeah. Well, we get a hint at the very end of the 62 seconds we get the mention of well, there's the um, the tension of this scene. In addition to the numbering of the pencil, is the missing file, and who could have taken it? It must have been the janitor. <laughs> it must. And have that been. is someone who um, we have not met yet. We have not yet met the janitor, but perhaps, uh, perhaps in a future sixty-two seconds. I hope so. Well, before we keep going too long, then I guess Sean is there. Uh... Is there uh, any anywhere else on the internet that uh, you have to keep in place, or other people can't find your stuff and move it around, or where should it where should it stay? Um, yeah, the one place where um, we always know my stuff is going to be, and it it um, and, well, it hasn't moved yet. I guess I can't really talk about the future, but for now, my stuff is at catandshawn dot org, and that's a uh, cat c a t and sean s e a n dot org because uh, i try to be organized and uh, that has links to uh, all my podcast stuff including um, a podcast i did that was very similar to this one but uh we watched a movie uh, just 60 seconds at a time and that movie was groundhog day and i covered that with my buddy dave palace and you can find that uh at groundhog minute and uh you can link to you know find the link to that from uh from cat and sean.org now, Sean, if people go there, will they also be able to find the podcast uh, Five Minutes of Mime? Yes, they will be able to find the podcast. Five I enjoyed this podcast. I have to say, I'm 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 going on the record. I'm going out on another limb yet again, uh, listeners. That this is that is a good podcast that you will enjoy. Oh, thank you, thank you very much. I uh, I think yeah, I think people enjoy it. I hope people enjoy it. That's why we do it. Indeed. And uh, so if, if people want to want to find out more about UHF 62nd or, um, you know, share with you their tales of uh, things mysteriously moving or, uh, you know, their experiences with with different hardness of uh, 
of graphite and pencils, where can uh, where can the listeners do that? I, I don't they know can't. if I want to know about anybody's experience <laughs> with different hardness of uh, graphites or pencils, but um, I am curious to know what people's experience is with uh, indoor lattice work. So if there's anybody uh, would like to share <laughs> about that, um, you should go to uh, uhf60second.com. And then after that, send us an email at uhf60second.com. No, at UHF. Uh, <laughs> Jonathan, take away, take it away with the, the social medias. <laughs> uh, yes. Uh, if you search for UHF62ND in just about anything, you will find us. Uh, but we are on Facebook. Uh, we do have a Facebook group, and that is Town Talk with UHF62nd. Uh, Twitter, I believe, is just at UHF62ND. And you can email us at uhf62nd at gmail.com. That's the one I was trying to think of. We also are on the uh, Instagrams, and we genuinely are on MySpace. And if you can figure out how to interact with us on MySpace, you get a no prize. You, what your, you are, they are on, they're not lying. They are on MySpace, which apparently is a, is it a thing? Yeah, we the started that as a joke thinking that it didn't exist and it <laughs> does exist, so that we had to do it. <laughs> so then you had to do it, yeah. Um Yeah, there you go. Well, I guess we can send in the janitor to clean up all this uh lingering audio. So join us again on the next UHF sixty second. Let me be your hog. Work it. Crack the code. Did you catch right. your night Work it. Crack the code. Did you catch your night Work it. Crack the code. Did you catch your night Did you catch your night Work it. Crack the code. Did you catch your night Work it. Crack the code. Did you catch your night Work it. Crack the code.